Hey, Bucks fans, make sure you go follow one of our sponsors, Split Ticks. Follow them on Twitter at S-P-L-I-T-T-I-K-S. So what is Split Ticks? Well, you're able to reserve sports, concert, and other event tickets with a small deposit and pay off the rest in a flexible payment plan before your event date. So make sure you take advantage of that. And because you're a listener of the All Things Bucks podcast, you're able to use promo code all things Buccaneers. Use that promo code and you will get a 10% discount on your purchase. Hey, and remember, go Bucks. Buccaneer fans, welcome back to the All Things Bucks podcast. It's your co-host, CJ. Now, Corey is not on the podcast today. He's feeling a little sick. Um, he was at the game on Sunday, and that rain and that cold weather got to him, so he's going to have to sit this one out. But we have special guest, owner of ATB. Kel, go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Kelm Pools. I am the owner of All Things Bucks. How's it going? I think we need to get one of them sound bites when, the, you know, the Bucks feel, you know, they're just like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, how's everybody doing tonight, huh? How's it going with you, though? Yeah, everything is good, man. Watching the Bucks every Sunday like we always do. Um, good to see Corey was at the game. He had fun. He posts pictures. So if um, you're following um, Corey, make sure you go check out the pictures he posted from his time in Baltimore. Um, as I have been for pretty much every game this season, watching from the, the house while I'm working, unfortunately, but still supporting our Buccaneers. How did you watch the game this Sunday, Cal? Uh, I was at my home, just like normal, how I would watch my games. And because uh, I'm all the way up here in Canada, and unfortunately, I don't get the glory to come down to the hot weather down in Florida, right? But I was there two weeks ago watching the Saints game, unfortunately. Saw Corey there also. Get better, Corey. But uh, yeah, no, I was watching it at home, and uh, it was. It was unique, you know. I had one of my good buddies come over, actually one of my best friends, and he's a huge Ravens fan. So to watch uh, watch both games together and also like hear his side on how the Ravens are with Lamar Jackson and Flacco and Harbaugh and everything, it's 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 interesting to debate. And he clearly feels the pain of being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. You know, it's so painful being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. We go through this every year. We've been going through this for 11 years in a row of getting to December or even before December and missing out on the playoffs. And with the dirt cutter tenure, um, it seems like in each of his three years as the head coach, they were get an opportunity to rally late in the year with a chance to get into the playoffs mathematically. But of course, they're going to fall short. Because this is the definition of insanity. We're riding Dirk Cutter up the head coach, and he's doing the same thing repeatedly every year. He's getting out coach, and then we miss the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, a lot of it's, like, human nature as well, just, like, being in the habits of the little things and also the culture they're in, right? Like, it's a, it's just the type of culture that they keep doing this each and every year. I don't know what it is at the very beginning. I don't know why there's drama. I don't know... 
there's also like I said this multiple podcasts ago. It's like something very internal, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's hurting it within, right? And it's gone to show. And the fact that we lost, I was t- telling this to you earlier. We lost four games within five points this year, guys. We lost the last game within eight. Think of the Redskins game. Like we are so close, and this all comes down to coaching. So close. It comes down to coaching, and it is is making me frustrated. I'm sure a lot of other fans frustrated and also you frustrated and our whole team frustrated. It's it's hard covering a team when it's so bad and it makes it so negative to cover them in the in the media. I like I I respect the fans that are putting it out. I saw some fans call out some other news media pages for just like reading how they just want to be negative and you know, there's a lot of optimism to go forward with this team as well. But looking at it now, there has to be a lot of changes. Yeah, I believe change is imminent and that it's going to happen for Black Monday uh, with the rest of the teams in the NFL. Dirk Carter will be relieved of his duties. I don't see it happening any other way. It has to happen unless um, the Glazers just wants us to do the same thing next season. And that will say a lot about them as owners. Um, moving forward. So one more thing before we jump into the, um, the post game of, uh, what happened Sunday is Corey, um, has not seen a victory attending Buccaneer games. There was a survey on Twitter <laughs> or a petition to ban Corey from going to Buccaneer games. So I just wanted to address this, um, really quick. Oh my goodness. You know, we we there's there's superstition that that goes into things. Um, and yes, Corey has not seen a Buccaneer victory since he's been back over here in the states going to Buccaneer games. I I completely understand the uh, want to have Corey just watch the games from home <laughs> so we can try to win, but Corey' presence at Buccaneer games has nothing to do with the on-field performance of the Buccaneers and the coaching performance of head coach Dirk Cutter. So we're going to believe that the next game Corey goes to, he will see a victory. I remember there was one season where we didn't win any home games. Uh, and I remember going to most of those games, and it was just just like, wow, we're really coming to all these home games. We didn't win not one. This is pathetic. So... It will it will turn around. I believe this franchise will turn around. This um, offseason is going to be one of the biggest offseasons in a long time because this team has talent. This team is not lacking talent um, to compete in this league. It's one thing if we were just god-awful, we're a top-five draft pick um, team, but this team has talent and pieces on both sides of the ball that any coach out there looking for a head coaching position should want to come here. So this offseason for the Glazers, and if Jason, I don't even know if Jason Light will keep his job, but if Jason Light is gifted another opportunity to be the GM here, this is the most important offseason to get this right because of the collection of talent that this team has. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jason gets one more chance at picking a head coach. You know, uh, I don't think he'll... Like he's obviously made some bad, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, he's obviously made some bad picks before, but nonetheless, he's made some very good pickups too, and drafted many good players. 
And nonetheless, he's very, very smart at contract negotiations. That a lot of people know he's very good at cutting players without even affecting the cap. Too, he always has these big contracts, and this somehow makes it where it doesn't affect the cap for this year, but the next year after it will. Or this, he he spaces it out very diverse wise, you know. So it's very inter- interesting how they're going to go into two thousand nineteen and the whole new year, right? And Hey, nonetheless, I think it's going to be a prime spot. Look, you got the beautiful weather, the hot, the hot, the hot weather. You know, beaches, sunshine. Why wouldn't you want to come to Florida, especially coaching a talent like this? Um, I'm telling you, it's, it should be a hot spot on the market for 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 head coaches to to want to come here. And as far as Jason Light, I he takes risk, um, and he, I think he learns from his mistakes too. So if I was the owner, I would provide him that opportunity to come back as GM. But you got to look at who's going to be the head coaching candidates coming in too, because they might want to bring in their own guys um, to come in and be the general manager of the franchise. So we will see how, how that plays out. Um, I'm, everyone, I know every Bucks fan around the globe, because we've got Bucks fans everywhere. Don't get it twisted. Bucks Nation is strong. All right. But everybody, all eyes will be on the, the front office to see what, coaching hire will happen because that's first order of business and from there improving the team with the draft and free agency but that we got a whole offseason to talk about that we're going to get into this past Sunday's game the Buccaneers traveled up to Baltimore to take on the Ravens Lamar Jackson in that stingy defense and it was a sloppy one it was a sloppy game it was rain it was cold and it really Came down to it was a field position game. Who could not turn the ball over and who can make the best coaching adjustments? Um, so we're going to get it started with the Baltimore Ravens offense. And what we saw was Lamar Jackson. He's not the best passer. He was 14 of 23, while only 131 passing yards with one touchdown. But where Lamar does his damage in this league and helping to lead this Ravens offense to being the number one running offense in the league is on the ground. He had 18 carries for 95 yards with a 5.3 average. Gus Edwards had 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. Even Kenneth Dixon got in on the mix with a nice 4.4 average, gaining 48 yards on the ground. So their running game was humming. But... If you watch the game, the running game wasn't really killing the Buccaneers early in the game. They just wore down the defense, which is something good teams do because they commit to the run. We'll get into the Buccaneers' yep. commitment to the run once we talk about the offense. But I'm um, talking about tough O line. I'm telling you, oh my God, they, Derek Cutter. But uh, just rounding out their offensive <laughs> performance, uh, Willie Sneed had 58 reception yards. Uh, Mark Andrews, 31. Hayden Hurst only had 20. So their offense receiving core really didn't have that big of a day. Lamar Jackson only had 131 passing yards. But there was two fumbles, one on a punt. And then Lamar Jackson also fumbled the ball. So we had two opportunities with turnovers um, there from their offense that gave us the ball. And they committed to what they did best. They came out and they did exactly what their offense did is going to do to try to win games. And that's going to run the ball and let Lamar use his legs to 
create mismatches, and to gain yards on the ground. Kel, what did you see from their offense that, that stood out? Hey, you, you said exactly all right there. One thing I'm picking up right now is that even that the flash weren't, weren't as flashy for Lamar Jackson, you see that he also had 18 carries for 95 yards, right? Like, mm-hmm. he made the certain plays when needed. Like, also that fumble I had, obviously, was bad weather. That was just a slippery and botched snap, too, right? But, like, besides that, like, they established a run. They have... They were doing that probably since training camp. Like they had their O linemen, holy crap! They beat the crap out of our whole defense. Like that's why they got the run, and they just kept wearing us down. That's actually one thing my friend said. He's like, "Just wait." I was like, "Dude, we're stopping the run." He's like, "Just wait." Like not until the fourth quarter. I was like, "What? Okay, whatever." Usually that doesn't happen as bad as he makes it sound. Then actually happened. I was like, "Holy!" So he made the certain plays when needed. If he needed to escape the pocket then he ran for a first down or ran for six mm-hmm. seven yards right like he got it when need be see that's that's why like i feel like harbaugh won't get fired because they're showing that if this is the way to win games and they can just build on this young guy that is born in 1996 i'm pretty sure and <laughs> nonetheless like you're young gonna, buck. you're gonna you're gonna be Gang, they're going to be game better. They're going to keep developing this scheme, right? So, I don't know. I, f- I feel like that was just a, a glimpse of what the Ravens will do in the future. Also, and this shows how <laughs> how bad we are right now. You think playing in the rain a lot in Florida, in the humid, would help them? But they, I guess it doesn't help playing in the cold rain. I guess they don't know what that feels, right? So, Oh, yeah, not not at all, man, especially against a team that commits to the run. Absolutely. And it just it just wears it just wears the defense down, especially if your offense cannot sustain long drives to keep those guys fresh. It's not a good it's not a good uh, look for for the defense. They're going to get yep. worn out and eventually the offense for the Ravens will break through some runs. And with Lamar Jackson being that dual threat quarterback. Uh, Michael Vick type guy, he's he's gonna he's gonna make yeah. some plays. It, it's really hard to stop um, those type of players, and he made the play. He made enough plays for them to win the game. And so, for 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 their offense, hats off to their coach, who is a good coach, and he commits to what his team does best. Yep. They are in the playoff picture right now. You know, they're in the sixth seed. You know, they are eight and six. Like they're in a playoff spot, and there's and it's funny how they're in a playoff spot last week when they were playing us, and that's when they did a quarterback change. So you think maybe that goes back to 2012 or whatever year it was when the Ravens played the Niners when the Niners did that with Kaepernick, and also they changed their quarterback midway through the season. They also went to the Super Bowl. You imagine if the Ravens did that with Lamar Jackson, you'd be crazy. Just. That'd be nuts. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that'd be a crazy comparison if that actually did happen. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. Uh, but not only did they do good things on the offensive side of the ball, the Ravens, um, they did great things on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, we came out. We had um, a decent, decent opening drive. We were running the ball. I thought we were running the ball okay, but their defense stepped up and only held us to 12 points. Uh, C.J. Mosley had eight total tackles. He had a half sack. Eric Weddle, six total tackles. These are their marquee players making plays, stepping up. December football. Jimmy Smith, four tackles. 
Brandon Williams, four tackles as well. Cyrus Jones, three tackles. And Tony Jefferson, two, two tackles. As a, as a unit, they only got one official sack for the game, and they had four quarterback hits. Um, but the big thing, they had six pass deflections. And because it was a wet game, you have a lot of drop passes. You had a lot of sloppy play, um, which helped aided their defense because coming into this game as well, they had the number one pass defense in the league. So for them to to hold Jameis to, to 156 passing yards, 157 passing yards, yeah. you know, that's, that's not a Jameis Winston day. I don't care what defense lines up out there. But the rain surely didn't help. Um, but it helped the Ravens defense and they had they had a, a, a good day slowing us down. The weather assisted them and they helped their team propel to victory. Yeah, I agree with you. Like you look at one thing on the stat sheet, right? Like thirteen for twenty five hundred fifty seven yards. Then you look at the receiving yards for the Bucks. Four receptions for hundred twenty one yards from Evans, but everyone else after that is Humphreys for twenty three, Brait for nine and Barber for four. That was it. And quiz for one catch, one yard. Like, that is how good their defense is. Like, it, going into the game, that we were the ranked third offense, total offense, and they were ranked third total defense. So, I'm a firm believer in defense with championships and also being the one that closes games, you know? If need be, like they're the ones that do that. Mm-hmm. That's why we. I agree with you there. We exactly, and that's the reason what our defense. We're on the same page there. Our defense is trying to do in the games that we lost close because you saw that they bombed it in the first half, and all of a sudden in the second half they didn't let up a single point or just a field goal or a touchdown on the last drive of the game. But those are the little things and come to coaching and players, but. You, Oh, defense can only do so much. Like they can't stop a team. It's hard to stop a team to no points in the whole half, you know. Especially when the other team is coming back scoring thirty. You know, that's, I'm going back to reference to the other games in the the whole season, right? But going into now, it's like this is an eight point game, and the defense did did as much as they could do for our young def, uh, Ravens offense. But looking into the Ravens defense, like that. They've been working on that whole squad for a while. Like, they have a couple young guys out there, but, like, going at it, they still got vets like Eric Weidel. They still got guys like, what, Sugg's still playing? Is he is he hurt? But, like, he's still, if he's hurt, I don't know where he's at, but he's on the stat sheet. But if he was hurt, like, he's still a force on in the locker room, right? He's still a presence. Like, they got a lot of vet guys on this team, and that's what's, that's what's going to outdo us and their whole coaching staff and everything. All, the whole experience overall was one thing. The fact that, like, if we had a better coaching right now and everything, ooh, we could be a threat to this whole league. It, it'll, it'll make a huge difference. It will make a huge difference because the little details is where this team is is losing the battle. It's, it's the small things um, on the field, whether it be field position, whether it be game management, whether it be calling better plays, like, to yeah. to get your guys in a position to be successful. And that's where we're losing the football game. Because the talent is on this team. The talent is on the field. It's just coming down to those things uh, mentioned prior. So hats off to the Ravens defense for slowing down our offensive attack. 
with the rain. They got a big boost from the rain and the weather. Um, naturally, that's what we are expecting from a cold, rainy game. Hey, they left us out without uh, no points in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah. And the first quarter, huge. too. And that's the thing. We lost by tw- eight, but if we got that extra point, it could have been a different game or momentum, too, right? But, like, it's eight points. That's a touchdown and a two-point conversion or a tie game, and they held us in the whole fourth quarter. That literally, like, this is the last time in the last two weeks, when especially going back to the Saints, like, they held us for, like, no yards, nothing in the second half. Like, I don't know what this change of tide, but we're going, like, we're so unbalanced like we're going up and down hot and cold defense is hot then defense offense is cold and offense is hot and defense is cold and when both teams when offense and defense connects and special teams doesn't get going you know it's 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 the little things right now that are haunting the Buccaneers organization and the whole players right now like players don't I don't really think players exactly know how good they actually are that's the thing because this talent on this team is absolutely superb, superb man. Yeah, I, I, I we, we, we're both beating the drum there because you, you know it, you know it, yeah. I know it, the fan base knows it. So, uh, we, we've already went into a little bit of the Buccaneers' offensive output from Sunday, but I'll just uh, recap uh, as we talk about their offensive performance. Jameis was thirteen of twenty-five, hundred fifty-seven yards. And an interception. Um, the running game was good. They had to, they, you know what? They had to commit to the running game a little bit more because of the weather. So you got Peyton Barber getting 19 carries. Oh my, 19. He should be getting 20 plus a game. Yeah. But he got 19 carries for 85 yards. He did get a score. And uh, Jameis was the only guy, other person, that got two carries because sometimes he has to scramble for his life because of the offensive line. Another thing I want to point out about the Buccaneers' offense, Ronald Jones got some playing time. But when Ronald Jones got into the game, why the hell is he lining up at receiver? And why the hell is he getting catching opportunity? First of all, we knew he can't, he couldn't catch. He's just a runner, dude. He's just he's a, a runner. Back. Let the boy <laughs> run the damn football and stop trotting him out there like he's out there a slot receiver. Like, this is... This, this is literally, this is asinine. Like, why the hell did you draft this boy in the second round only to put him out there to line up as a receiver? Especially in a game like this where it's a run the football, grind it out type of yeah. game. Like, th- th- this is why Dirk, Dirk Carter should have been fired yesterday because of that. There's no this logic. This is exactly why. Yes, there's there's no, no logic. excuse for that. There's no logic behind no it. No excuse for that. You know, there's no logic behind it all. It's it's so it's so it's such bad logic. I got a headache. But we are gonna continue. <laughs> we talked about the receiving game. Awful stats. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness for that scramble by Jameis. The feet work on that scramble by Jameis to to buy some time and throw that pass to Mike Evans. That was a thing of beauty. Oh, you could see. That's exactly what Jameis was working on in the offseason, The time he was suspended earlier this year. You. Like, if you go back to those videos that were posted of Jameis working out and practicing, getting ready for Khalil Mack, you know, he posted that video. Yeah, he, yeah. he wasn't Khalil Mack ready. Nobody's Khalil Mack ready. No. But, uh, <laughs> but the footwork that he practiced on, that showed in that play. Yeah. And it was a beautiful thing to watch, man. And it's amazing because that was a deep pass. 
and that surely was on the money on the run to Mike Evans. And uh, shout out to Mike Evans um, for having another 100-yard performance. He's actually second in the league in reception yards. And he's less than 100 yards away from breaking the all-time Bucks receiving yardage record um, for the franchise. So I'm fully expecting him to break that against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, next up, Adam Humphreys had four catches, 23 yards. And we won't get into anybody else because it is just so bad it's not worth mentioning what their yardage output was. <laughs> and that was it for the offense. I mean, that was it. I think we ran the ball well in the first half. And then come the second half, oh, this is this is Dirk Carter's offense. Let's just keep passing the football. Let's pass. Let's give a pass to Rojo. What? <laughs> You're running the ball well. Continue to run the football. Yep. Wear their defense down and let your defense rest. But oh no, Dirk Carter, he doesn't do that. Um, anything that else stood out to you uh, with the Buccaneers' offense from Sunday? Oh, honestly, just no balance. Like, finally, that we did establish the run, right? But mm-hmm. that's the thing. Going back, like, they were averaging two point something yards a carry all year. Like, I saw it earlier in the second half. I saw it in the game the week before when I was there. I was sitting there, so I saw it, and I was very disappointed. So, I don't know. Looking at it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't really know what to do going forward. Look at it, but like, ugh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's pretty hard to watch. Um, I mean, granted, this was a ugly game with the weather, so I was not going to expect the Buccaneers to come out put up four hundred, five hundred yards of offense. Correct. Um, but I did expect them to commit more to the run, which they kinda, kinda did with nineteen carries for Peyton Barber. But I think those extra six, seven carries were more so because of the circumstances. Because Peyton Barber really should have had 30 carries this game. Um, if you're being honest about how the game actually flowed. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I, I, I just can't get over that. That this man never commits fully to the run game. Like I can understand if you was playing Madden, Coach Cutter, and... We know it's just a video game, so you want to just start passing, get past happy all willy-nilly. But we're talking about real football. We're talking about December football. You got your team out there playing in the rain, and you gave up on the running game in the rain. And you were running the ball well. I don't understand it. I'll never understand it. And yeah, unless, unless he, he ever fixes that, he shouldn't be a head coach ever again. Like you, 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 like this does not work. Like you got to run the football. Yeah, that's one thing. You always got to establish the run early, which it did, and you saw that it showed really well, right? It, it did. But yeah, hey, like if you're not gonna keep doing that, like teams know that we throw seventy percent of the time. Like realistically, if they want, yeah, they talk. If they talk about they know. analytics against other teams. Gosh, I don't even know if they look at their own analytics to see that they are very bad overall and their efficiency at everything, their play calling, just everything is just unbalanced and un- not good, right? The one thing, though, at least is positive about, like, going back kind of to the defense, though, is, like, showing how much, like, different shows and blitz and different showings for everyone, right? Like, 
that's the one thing that we've seen actually progress with the defense, right? A lot of progress. But we're not seeing any progress with the offense, except Jameis. Jameis's play has been progress, right? But just how teams know now everything we're doing. And it's all going down to coaching and being outcoached. And teams know now after watching the last games, we don't change it up. We don't run different things. We run the same exact plays. We don't modify plays. We don't – like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't see that they should – like, there's certain things we don't do. We don't have – we don't have zone sitting uh, hook routes, right? Like, we just keep running our routes. So we don't properly read the field. We don't have our – we're not teaching our receivers to properly – read the field and the new schemes and the new types of defenses. I think, I don't know. We're looking at it like with Dirk Cutter being known as like a college coach. Like I think the guy needs to go back there to see how college coach, the college game has evolved for one, you know, cause he's in my opinion is just behind the time right now. He's just not there yet. I, I, I agree with that. He's just not and, there. and for those, and for the Bucks fans who's, who's like, Oh, let's keep Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin early in the season, when he was calling the plays, the offense was high and flying, but there was still no running game. And if you're the offensive coordinator and you have a hand in calling these plays, you have to find a way to run the football. We're banging the drum on this as well, but it's true. The teams that play well in December going into the playoff play solid defense unless you have a Hall of Fame first ballot quarterback you need solid defense, and you need to establish the run when you need to run the football, and that's and it and it has that has not changed in the NFL. Yeah. You you see the Rams offense struggling because I don't believe in the Rams going to the Super Bowl because I don't believe in Jared Goff taking over a game. Hell no. Todd Gurley could take over a game, sure, but when you get eight in the box and then they take away your deep plays like they were doing this past weekend, and and um, Jared Goff has to win the game. Oh no, that's not happening. Now you in trouble. So hopefully uh we can we can establish uh the run game. You you went into the defensive performance. Defense has gotten better. Whoever the coach is, I hope they do consider Duffner. Most likely they probably would not. But Duffner really has done a great job turning this defense around yeah. uh, with the PC he have. Uh Levante David, he one of the best in the in the game right now. The, the best, the best four three outside linebacker for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. That's not even a question. He doesn't get the recognition because he's not in a three four defense. Man, imagine him in a three four defense. And I hate, I hate that is a thing in the league that to be get the recognition as a linebacker, you got to be playing in a three four. Nah, man, put them as edge rushers and let the linebackers who's still playing in the four three get their recognition. And Levante David is at the cream of the crop of linebackers playing that position. 12 yeah, tackles, two sacks. two sacks, three quarterback hits. The man was all over the field making plays for this team. Second on this list of defensive performing players, for all you guys calling this man a bust early, eat your words. Nine tackles, six solo tackles. The man is out there busting his behind. Vita Vea. The man is finally... Getting it. It's slowing down for him. Yeah. And he's being the via veil that you saw on tape exactly. at Washington. The man is going to be a beast in this league. Give him time. He's going to be a beast. Give it some more time. I say by year three, he'll be the best defensive tackle in the he'll league. Be, he'll be making sacks and 
like a lot. He'll be you'll be we'll be exactly. seeing progression. That's the one thing we keep going back to progression. And I like that, right? That's the next step for him. Exactly. Like he's already showing he's he could be a force in the run game and push getting the great push back yeah. on the guard, so the the center who's guarding him. And uh, he's progressed, as you can see through the games, he went from just getting the push to actually getting the push and making a play. So the next step for him next season, his goals will not only be the push in the run game, but in the pass game and getting some sacks. I think he's going to progress and get that done as well because he's learning and he's putting in the work to do so. So shout out to Mal. At the very beginning of the year, too, like... (laughs) It's very vague, right? Like, so many players, it's very fast for a lot of other players, too. And that's why mm-hmm. we got, that's how, like, I don't know, like, we saw that we did a lot of long bombs and we connected to it with a lot of them at the very beginning of the year, you know? That's a lot of players getting their rust out at the time of the year. It's very vague of the season. That's when players do, like, that's when the teams that do very good at the beginning of the season peak at the beginning, then they're not as good going into the playoffs like what we're saying with the Rams right and that's been us that's been us for the past three years we'll peak at the beginning we'll come out like we did this year then boom look we just beat the Saints a couple years ago beat the Falcons like we come out balling oh this is the year Super Bowl and then what happens it gets real coaching matters and we get beat it's very frustrating in that opinion you know like I remember going back to week one when we beat the Saints and those fans on Twitter were literally going off saying how they need to get rid of Bree. Like, just everything needed to get fired. Everyone needed to get fired, right? Then look where it's at. Well, you know, it's just patience, too. And we've had a lot of patience. I'm not saying that, like, just, I'm not trying to undercredit that, right? But I'm just trying to say it's like, we don't, every year is going to be different. And you see that with the Rams. They used to be St. Louis. They saw that with the Jaguars and the Bills made the playoffs last year and the Titans. And those teams used to be the Thursday night games that no one wanted to watch literally two, a year and a half, two years before that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, we're just next, you know? That's where I think we're at. We're, we'll be next. I, I do think we're at that crossroads as yeah. well. I, I agree with you there. I do think we're at that crossroads where we have the team in place with the talent uh, and we're just needing the right, the right captain for the ship. Uh, to steer the ship. Yeah, it'd be like the Rams. I think that we need just like we have that talent, but we have like a Jeff Fisher type Ooh. head coach. No, I'm not saying he's like that, but he's just Jeff like, Fisher very, has ruined many quarterbacks' very, careers. If it was up to Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff is ruining, is yeah. is the worst quarterback in the league. And when I'm comparing him, I'm just saying just behind the times. You know, back mm-hmm. to what I was trying to say before. That's the only thing I'm trying to compare him with. Like, I just think that we need a new, more someone that. That's very smart, you know, and that is very knows how to do this game and play this game and coach this game, you know, and how to relate to players. I just there's a whole lot and to motivate them too, right? And but yep. I think at the very end of the day we know that we know it's actually discipline. Like these guys are so undisciplined and they just I they thought their shit doesn't stink at the beginning of the year. They literally did. I don't know why. You ain't been to the playoffs in 10 years. Now 11, officially, with the elimination game that was this past Sunday. So I I don't think you should ever... They should never feel that way. And they need a coach to remind them, don't you ever feel that way until the results speak for themselves. Because until you book a ticket to the playoffs and actually get in there to actually make a name for yourself, you ain't did nothing. 
you could go on an eight-game winning streak in this league and still miss the playoffs. Until that happens, I don't want to hear the Bucks players. I don't want to hear the organization. Nothing saying that they did something because they haven't did nothing. They haven't did anything. Players dancing on the sideline too? Like, are you kidding me? Like, they're da- they still lost that game. It just goes to show where, where the head's at in these players, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's We have bad. some studs, right? But how is it in the locker room? How are they? We don't know how they are, like, as teammates. We don't know how they are as leaders. I don't think there is a real core leadership in that whole locker room. There is none, as we can see. I'm telling you. We know that Levante David speaks a lot for his through his actions, right? But, like, and we know that Jameis' rambles, right? But, like. The only real leader I see is, like, Mike Evans, realistically. But we need actual guys to step up, and everyone knows that you can still be a leader without being named a captain. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the press. I got to stop you, Kel. Because this this is upsetting. This is hot off the press. For Pro Bowl voting, Mike Evans did not make... Pro Bowl voting. This is a man who's second in the league in reception yards. This is a man admits of having two quarterbacks throwing him the football this season has produced week after week, month after month. He didn't make it. And you mean to tell? And you mean to tell me he didn't make Pro Bowl? You're kidding me. In the initial voting? Oh, that's a trap. That's 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 highway robbery. That's highway robbery. Uh, that's that's just that's ridiculous. That's just that's beyond ridiculous. I'm looking at right now as we speak, man. Like this is that's absurd. I thought even that he had the most stats that people would just be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna vote Mike Evans because he has this many yards anyway. Usually people do that. Oh my gosh. Like this man, this man has been Where Mr. Consistency. Like what? Like you gonna you really you you're really putting fans on our side. You're really <laughs> putting Devonte Adams, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas over Mike Evans. Are you serious? You know what? This, but this is what happens. But you know what this is? This is what happens when your team doesn't compete for the playoffs. This is what happens when you lose you you lose eleven straight seasons of not making the playoffs. That's what happens. Great players like Mike Evans, who is one of only two players to start their first five seasons with thousand yard. Reception yardage seasons get snubbed from the Pro Bowl. That's what happens when your team as an organization has sucked for 11 years. He's going to the damn Hall of Fame. I'm telling you that right Hall of Fame wide receiver. Like, that's not even, like, Hall of Fame receiver. And he's getting snubbed to the Pro Bowl because this team has been so bad, the popularity for this organization is not there to push him over there to get into this all-star game, quote-unquote, of the Pro Bowl. Now, I'm not a big fan, like, of the Pro Bowl voting. But, you know, it means a little something that, you know, you get the recognition. Yeah. I, it's all fan voted, man. You know, you have all these biased yeah. family and jumper fans crazy, going nonstop and voting OBJ all the time. Or all these other guys. It's like, uh, it's it's ridiculous. Real Pro Bowls should be actually... Like, I don't the know. The best players. It's kind of like the, this season. I don't know. It should be like... Uh, I don't know, I guess you can say like an all-pro list in a way. I don't know, that's how I personally would like it, but if there was some sort of ballot system to vote through that, you know? I think they should They should get players or something. I don't know. former coaches 
former players to make the vote on who the best players were each season. I don't want to see no journalists making no votes because they're biased. I don't want to know no fans making no votes because, of course, they're going to vote for their team players. I want to know. I want players who watch the game, who played the game, who know the game, making the votes of the best players to go into the Pro Bowl for each season. And I want to have taken into account if injuries happen. Yeah. Because that 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 happens. If you get hurt, I'm sorry, you're not making no Pro Bowl. Like who's been consistent all year? Who's not showing up on the stat sheet, but they've been playing and working their butt off all season and making an impact for their team to get their team over the hump? Like that stuff matters, man. Uh, I had to interrupt to to put that out there. Oh, that's good time. That's highway highway robbery. Uh, let's finish up, wrap up with the uh, special teams uh, really quick. We had um, the botch field goal. Was it a field goal or an extra point? It was extra point. We had to botch extra point because of the weather. Yep. It was a muffed uh, off the pinner. Brian Anger uh, muffed up the the hold on the snap. And I don't know how that happens. They do this in the rain all the time. Yep. You know, they this is they do it in Florida. It rains just as much as in Maryland. I don't I don't know. It. So, but you know, just gotta be better. At the end of the day, this gotta be better and execute better. And but they executed on the rest of their field goals for the rest of the game. So be disciplined. That was that was good there. That's good, and that's what they did do. They progressed on that, and they did what they could. Mm-hmm. The offense need. I think the offense needed to get them in more position instead of all the punts that we did, for, especially for Santos. Yeah, that's. So, that's that's what's important. You got to get the field, the know, field position game. Oh man, it is it, it plays a huge factor. A lot of a lot of the casual fans um, don't really take into account how big field position is uh, once it comes to the overall outcome of a game. Yeah. So um, with with the rainy weather, it the data is skewed, um, and there's opportunities there, and there's opportunities to be taken advantage of but i think the special teams are okay except for that botch kick and hopefully santos can end the rest of the season good so we can keep him as a kicker because i'm tired of playing the kicker carousel uh, for the for for that position is is just <laughs> other teams can get it right on the money oh we got this rookie kicker from fiu he's making all this how 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 we haven't had a consistent kicker for like five years. How are you guys finding these kickers? I, I just I just don't know and understand. But overall, for this game, it was a sloppy one. We had our opportunity to win, to keep our small hopes alive that we did have. Um, but as DeMar Dotson said, um, at this point, after taking that loss, every man for themselves, you better be planned to stay on this team if you are on the contract, or you better be planned to go and make you some money and uh, and plan for pride because there's there, there's going to be a new staff in place. There's gonna be some turnover. There's gonna be guys brought in to fit the new person's scheme. So hey, let's see what y'all made of these next two weeks. And oh, and 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 as of now, as it stands, we're last in the NFC South. Oh wow, that that should be motivation right there as well. You really want to be 
at the cellar of the NFC South again? No one wants to be there. No one does. Like, I, as a fan, I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of being the bottom feeders of this division. Be, we're literally almost the bottom feeders of the conference, of the league. The Browns are better than us. The Cleveland Browns are better yep. than us right now. I don't care that we beat them. They've been they've been getting they're winning their in December together. They're winning in December. Us? That's it. Yeah, they're winning in December. That hey, that's where that's where good teams thrive in December. December football, baby. They're in the playoff hunt still. They're not mathematically eliminated. We are. Yeah, good. Good for them. Good for them. Um, upcoming, we will have the preview pie for the Dallas Cowboys game. That's this is actually the game I've had marked on my calendar. I have family who are Dallas Cowboy fans. I get so sick of Cowboy Nation and we them boys. And that that game we played against them two years ago, it still just rubbed me the wrong way because we should have whooped their ass in Jerry's world. But I we can get revenge on Sunday. Please let us get revenge on Sunday. One more side note, I am in the fantasy playoffs, so I would love for this to be a high-scoring game. There will be no weather affecting this game. So I would love to see a combined 60 points or more from both teams with a Bucks victory. <laughs> I'm in the championship in one of my leagues, but the rest, no, no didn't do well. Ooh, yeah, that's, bad. That's, fan- hey, that, that's fantasy for you. But, uh, yep, we're going to wrap this one up. We'll be back later this week with the preview podcast for the Bucks versus the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry's Row as we try to take down we them boys and hurt their playoff position. Uh, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at CoreyJ863. Kill, how can we follow you, man? Well, I am the one that runs the All Things Bucks Instagram page and the Twitter, the main Twitter page. Uh, so you guys can give a follow to the Twitter page at All Things TB Bucks, and also the Instagram page is just All Things Buccaneers. So we are at 5,000 on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to get that following crew to the Twitter. So that's why we've been out more active on there. So also give a shout out to Corey for letting me fill up his role here. And uh, honestly, I appreciate you guys having me on. For sure, for sure. Make sure you guys follow um, the, the All Things Buzz Podcast page at ATB Podcast underscore. Make sure you guys follow... Our co-host, Corey Hayes, it is at Corey, C-O-R-Y, underscore Hayes, H-A-Y-S-407. Give him a follow. Give him a shout. And, hey, even though we lost this week, hey, we still we got an off-season to look forward to, and we have a preview pod to look forward to for this upcoming matchup. You guys, make sure you have a fun, make sure you have a productive week. Get those Christmas presents knocked out if you haven't already been to the stores. Get some Bucks gear for your family because I know you want to buy some. There's deals all around, baby. Deals all the way around. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next week. I went shopping today, too. Oh, you did? Yeah, I went shopping today. I finally got out of the way. It had to be. Well, usually, I'm the one that leaves it to the last second. Actually, I usually leave it until <laughs> uh, Christmas Eve. So, hey, I just try to be a little more proactive this year. Am I right? <laughs> For sure. I'm going to do my online shopping literally right after this pod. And then uh, I'll I'll hit the stores at the end of the week to to finish knocking it out uh, for 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 Christmas. But uh, that'll wrap things up. Yeah. And we'll leave you with this.
Go Bucks, baby. Go Bucks.